Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for another day in our lives. This morning, remind us that we need your help. We need the help of others. That we can't do life on our own very well. Lord, help us to understand our role in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Right, the noise has left. We can start. <laughs> so this last week, I went to Northern Virginia to uh, visit my parents, uh, brought uh, Veronica and the kids, and uh, we made it a little family vacation. My sister was there. My dad, who is 86 years old, just had his knee replaced two weeks ago. So it was part fun trip, part mission trip. Uh, my mom, as some of you know, uh, suffers from MS, so. Uh, my dad uh, helps her out a lot, so it was a time where we all kind of had to rally together and uh, to help out, to be there uh, for them, um, and we had a wonderful time. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, the only bad part about the trip was the long drive back, uh, which we uh, didn't make in one day. We ended up getting a Motel 6, which I don't recommend, by the way. Pay the extra 20 bucks and get another hotel, so anyway. So anyway, hey, this morning, um, I, I want to start and uh, ask you a question. How do you handle setbacks or failures in your life? Um, and to kind of illustrate that, I want to tell you about a, a story with another member of my family that talks about a little uh, setback I had on uh, one particular day. My brother, Scott, who's my oldest brother, we both love the outdoors. And when he moved to Colorado, he's eight years older than me. Uh, when I got old enough, I flew there out them, and I wanted to hike a mountain. I, you know, I lived in Virginia my whole life. All we had were the Blue Ridge Mountains. and So he took me up a 13,000, almost 14,000-foot mountain, and he warned me about altitude sickness. He said, you know, you've got to drink a lot of water. I mean, I don't know how you prepare for al- to not get altitude sickness, but we drove straight from the airport right up to where his in-laws had a mountain place, and the next day we were hiking – and I started to feel weird. We got to the top, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's beautiful, but I'm not quite feeling that good. I started to get a little headache, and as we're walking down, I felt worse and worse. And I said, you know, if I get some food, I'll probably feel better. We went to a greasy hamburger place. I did not feel better. Got back to his in-law's place, and if you've ever had altitude sickness, it's awful. You can't lay down. You can't stand up. I just sat there in a chair holding my temples like this for about – two or three hours till I finally felt better. I don't know if it's like a diver who gets the bends when they come up too, uh, too quickly, but it was bad. And uh, it was uh, one of those times where you uh, just felt awful. You didn't really, you know, it can't be any worse than that. I think all of us have experienced times when we have a setback, a problem. We have trouble oftentimes acclimating to this change when a, when a problem or an issue happens to us. Most of us, we remember and cherish those moments when we have great events, our wedding, graduations, a promotion, falling in love, going on a cool vacation. We remember those things, and we're comfortable with our daily routines, you know, the way we kind of go through day-to-day life, and uh, we manage that. But when a setback comes, when a sickness comes, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's a financial struggle, Oftentimes, those are the things that get us stuck, where we don't see a way out. 
perhaps we recognize that we need some assistance. We need some help. We just can't get through whatever is going on in our lives without somebody stepping in. Eight years ago, some of you heard me talk about this before, my brother-in-law, who's a state trooper in Massachusetts, was the type of guy who went to the gym every day. He worked out super healthy, uh, was always running all the time. Every time I went there for a vacation, I got in the best shape I could because he would always make me go to the gym with him. One day he went to get his uh, blood test for a routine physical. He was trying to actually get deployed um, so he could make a little extra money for his family. He was still in the reserves with the Marines. And they said, your white blood cell count is off the charts. And they said, well, maybe you just have an illness. You know, they went in. Well, the illness turned out to be leukemia, and it was AML leukemia. And uh, it definitely was something that stopped that young family right in their tracks. They realized that they needed help. Now, the good news is that I just saw him uh, when I was with my uh, family in Virginia, so he did make it. And I'll tell you the rest of the story at the end of the sermon. The other good news for each of us is that all of us are going to have setbacks and failures. But when we have a relationship with Christ, when we're connected to him, these setbacks and failures don't have the last word in our lives. I preached about this back in June, how failure does not have the final word in your life when you know Christ. These are temporary problems. Rather, when you know the Lord, when you have that connection, these moments and periods of our life when we have these setbacks, these troubles, are reminders of our everyday need for God, our need for others. And they reinforce the job that each of us has to bring this hope to other people to be ambassadors, to be part of God's restorative ministry, to bring people to him and to restore all things. In our gospel reading today, as we look at uh, and unpack this in scripture, this hope that we have through Christ, let's begin with a setback that Jesus had, or so it seemed. Ministry was going great. He came back to his hometown. Rather than having a parade and a celebration like here comes Jesus, instead, They rejected him, his own family. You know, it's it's not a bad, someone you don't know, like, insults you or, you know, questions you. You're like, okay, I don't really know them, whatever. But when it's your own family, it's got to hurt. So Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He cannot do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, from a human standpoint, as we look at this, if we looked at Jesus merely a man, we might say, you know what? Maybe this would have been a quitting point for him where he would say, you know what? People don't like me anymore. I'm going to, you know, maybe go on a long vacation or this ministry thing is too hard. I'm going to do something else. Go back to being a carpenter. But remember, he was fully God, fully man, and he had another plan. And this plan was to involve other people because he knew he was going to leave and he was going to have this ministry that involved others to carry on his ministry. Remember, he had these disciples that were following him everywhere he went. Right after this part where his hometown rejected him, he gathers his disciples, he organizes them two by two, and he sends them out to do ministry. He doesn't rest or stay in that what could be perceived a setback. Instead, that was a reminder that we're supposed to carry on, we're supposed to press on. 
And it was interesting, as he tells his disciples what they're supposed to do, he says, take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts, wear sandals, but not an extra shirt, you know, very specific directions. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. Listen to this next part. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that, that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So the disciples went out and they had success together. They had setbacks together. See, this ministry that Jesus was calling into them was not just out there by yourselves on your own, trying to like white knuckle it, try to get through it when things don't go well. He modeled to them, you have each other. When it's time to leave, you leave. When it's time to stay, you stay together. See, he was preparing them for his departure. When he rose from the dead and his disciples met with them, he promised to send them the Holy Spirit, a companion to be with them so they could have the presence of God with them in their lives as they did ministry together. Because he knew they were going to have hard times. And if you know anything about the disciples, they had tough times. It wasn't always like everybody just applauding them as they walked down the streets. They were persecuted. They were scorned. They had great things happen. Many people come to know the Lord and repent of their sins, but they also had rejection. According to tradition, many of them were killed and martyred for their faith, sometimes in excruciating ways. But they pressed on. They had each other, and they had this gift of the Holy Spirit. When you read in Acts about what this gift of the Holy Spirit looked like in their lives, it brought them together. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were together. And it was a powerful witness. They had this real presence of the Holy Spirit. God was doing amazing things to them. But it wasn't that they were walking around just like with their magic wands. A lot of it was just everyday life. Sitting, eating together, caring for people, helping each other. It was attractive to others. People wanted to be part of this. And the church started to grow and grow to hundreds and thousands. And today billions of people have followed Christ because of this fellowship of believers who had everything in common who stayed together, who realized that united they stand, the divided they, uh, they would fall, had the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Apostle Paul extended uh, this importance of being together by giving everybody who was an assignment, starting with the Church of Corinth. The Apostle Paul writes, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. As believers, we have a common job to help others who are going through setbacks, who are going through tough times. We have a common job to bring people to the God who brings them hope so that this failure does not have the last word, that the struggles we have can be seen correctly as only temporary. They had a job as ambassadors to be God's representatives, to be God's spokespeople, to share this message with the whole world. But what exactly is an ambassador? It's not something we use every day. We maybe hear about in the news, the ambassador to this country or that country. 
Well, if you look up on uh, Wikipedia, which is sometimes accurate, but uh, the, uh, some of the main jobs of, uh, of an ambassador include protecting citizens, supporting prosperity, commerce, and working for peace. See, basically, it's a position of service. The Apostle Paul says when we come to know Christ, we are a new creation. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for others. So in the same vein, our job as ambassadors has a similar uh, jobs as this, uh, the job of the ambassador. They're supposed to protect citizens. We're supposed to encourage and build each other up. Hebrews says to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens irons, so one man sharpens another. First Thessalonians says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And James, Jesus' brother, wrote, keep faith simple. Put it into action. Love orphans. Love widows. Love those who can't speak for themselves. Yes, you're going to be protectors of people. You're going to be part of God's restorative ministry to encourage those who need it. To build each other's who are having, build each other up when we have these setbacks when we have these tough times in life. We're also called as believers to be generous, to use our gift and talents as ambassadors to support one another. In Deuteronomy, it says, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Our faith is never meant to be just a cerebral thing up here. It's meant to be put into action. We're meant to help people, to help others, to protect others, to restore what is broken. Finally, uh, one of the other attributes of an ambassador is to promote peace. We have a peace mission, and there's lots of ways we promote peace as uh, believers, but I want to focus on two of them. One of them is relationships with other people. I remember years ago I was working at a youth camp, and two adult leaders almost got in a fist fight, which is kind of crazy. They were supposed to be the ones who were the leaders, but it was, it was just weird, right? And I happened to be right there, and I'm like, okay. And I remember I had to kind of like calm them down, and I didn't even know I had the ability to do this, but I didn't have a choice. I was kind of thrown in there. I didn't, it would have been embarrassing if two of the leaders would have gotten a fight. And I calmed them down. I prayed with them, and they were fine. I mean, it could have gone either way, right? But uh, I got to join in what God, what God was doing. We're called to be peacemakers when people are going through tough times, when friends are struggling in their relationships and their marriages. We're called to pray with people, to be with people. The second uh, part of peace that I want to focus on is we're called to bring people into reconciliation with God. See, our gospel message includes everybody in that Christ died for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Everybody's included in God's salvation plan and invited into that. But it's very exclusive in that we've got to respond to that. So we, as witnesses, we tell people our story. We tell how... Our response to God's invitation has changed our life, has brought us hope, has brought us peace. 
we're part of God's restorative work. We tell about our personal stories of reconciliation. God has called us to be part of his ministry. His ministry of help. When I wrote the sermon title, Better Together, that was Jesus' intention in his ministry. It was not about lone rangers going out and trying to win people to God. It was being together, helping each other, sharing the message collectively with other people. Sure, individually they go out and have personal relationships and share with people, but they'd always come together. God grew their numbers. We are called into this ministry of hope. We are called to be God's ambassadors, to be peacemakers, to restore what is broken, to bring home what is lost, to connect people with God. So I don't know where you are this morning. I know that oftentimes we can have setbacks or someone can wrong us, and rather than becoming better, we can become bitter. We can just over and over again replay areas where someone's wronged us. Or maybe a hurt or a wound from the past where we went through a tough time or had a financial trouble. We just can't seem to let that go. Well, I have good news for you this morning. We have others here who've been through the very things. We have a community of believers that is here to help each other, that help us when our lives have become stagnant, when we become stuck. Matter of fact, we have a job as ambassadors to do that, not only for those who don't believe, but for each other. We're also uh, bringing people to that vine that brings life. Remember the old song, he is the vine, you are the branches? We're connecting people to the vine, the source of life. As peacemakers, that's one of our biggest jobs. So I told you I'd tell you part two to the story about my brother-in-law. They were busy parents. Everything was going well in their life or as well as it can be. You always have your ups and downs in life, right? And then that hit them like a lead balloon. And they realized for the first times in their lives that they really needed help. They couldn't do things on their own. They went to church before. It wasn't like it was a conversion deal for them. But they uh, relied on prayers. They relied on God. They relied on others. They were so concerned about financially all these things. People raised tons of money for them. People rallied together around them. And here, eight years later, after a bone marrow transplant, a lot of setbacks are along the way. They understand that they do need help. And because of that, they've become better helper of others. They've also understood that God's presence, the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives is real. Their faith has become more alive. God used what could have been a setback or a sideline that could have made them become bitter to become better. Because they're more connected to God, and that's helped them to be better connected with others and to join in that ministry of being ambassadors. So we as a church community have a big responsibility this morning. And that's not just to leave this message and say, oh, that was a nice talk, Steve. Good job. No, instead, including me, it's to go out to make disciples together. To go out and share the good news together with other people. In Matthew's gospel, 
Jesus says, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That doesn't mean he's not with us when we're alone. Just he understands his model for ministry. His understanding is that when we're together, powerful things happen. We're a powerful witness. We can sharpen each other. We can build each other up. We can help each other not to get stuck. And we can do that same to other people. Just like the early church did. That's God's plan for our own life. We too have this invitation. You know, John Wigginton years ago was given a talk on, I think it was one of the Wednesday nights, and he talked about the word fellowship. It's a church word. We don't use it in a lot of places. Where else do you say fellowship? We're going to have some fellowship time. And he said, well, Steve, think of it as a bunch of fellows in a ship. We're all in this together, okay? We're all in this ship together of those who are followers of Christ. And we're bringing the ship to bring hope to other people that are oftentimes uh, struggling I'll extend the analogy a little farther. Drowning, should we say. But uh, they are oftentimes drowning in just hopelessness, trying to do things on their own, trying to live life on their own. We have a rescue mission to bring that hope to other people. So as a church, besides uh, being ambassadors, what are very specific practical ways? All of us have gift and talents. If you go through Greg's discovery class, which I encourage you to do if you have not uh, gone through it, At the end, there's a time of an assessment of your gifts and how you can use them to help build up God's kingdom. See, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we always say this, your kingdom come, your will be done on heaven. No, we say on earth as it is in heaven. We're all here on earth right now. All of us. We have a job to do on earth to bring about God's kingdom values, his value for other people, his value to bring other people into his kingdom. And we have a job to do to take part in that. That means all our work, our jobs, our careers, our talents can become holy work. I have people in this congregation when my garbage disposal isn't working, I call them up and they help me. If they're teenagers having a problem, sometimes they call me to help counsel or to help pray. See, neither is one is not above the other. We all have ways we can use our gifts and talents to build each other up. This call to ambassadors, it's not just for us like advanced Christians, you know, people who have been, who are really holy. It's for all of us. I'm getting ready to bring uh, or be a part of and bring 30 people on a mission trip to Honduras. 25 of them are teenagers, five adults. Pray for me. (laughs) No, No, it's going to be a great trip. But one of the reasons I love this trip is there's so much less drama on this trip with the teenagers than when I bring them on a regular retreat. And I'll tell you why. Because they have something to do every day. They're a part of something that's bigger than them. And all the drama, they, they're just too busy planning their, what they have to do each day. And they have a common task. They're working together. And some of the kids that are the most unlikely have things in common, all of a sudden you see friendships that develop the week. See, that mission trip is a microcosm of our, the way our life should be as believers. That we have a mission every day together to do things, that we don't get caught up in gossip and petty stuff because we're too busy doing kingdom work, restoring others, helping others out when they go through setbacks and tough times, being part of God's restorative work, bringing people to Christ, inviting them to church, inviting them into a Bible study, being with them when they're going through that dark day. That's what we're called to do as a church. I want to leave you with this. We all go through tough times. There's no getting around that. We all know that. 
There are times in our lives when we'd love to go on that permanent vacation and just get away, get away from everything. And we all know it's very possible, even when we think we're just so stable, that we can have something hit us. And it could be easy to become bitter as opposed to becoming better. Well, we have a solution. God has provided us with the Holy Spirit, his presence in our lives to all who believe. And he's provided with us with each other, the gift of being with each other to help us through. We all have a part in this as ambassadors, both to be givers and receivers of this. We have a God who loves us, who's called us all into a relationship with him. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He won't kick us out of his family. All he's asking, inviting us, is to put our faith and trust in him. He will not leave us here on this side of heaven on our own. He's provided us with help. Seek it out and be the type of person that helps others as well in light of this. Let us pray. Lord, it says in Scripture, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Pray if anyone here today is not a believer, has not put their trust, they would do that. You take broken things and you restore them. You take what is lost and you bring it home. I pray we'd be part of that restorative ministry, this ministry of help, this ministry of being together. We would know that we're not on our own and we would help those who feel alone. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.